0: Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode seven. My guest today is Leah, an all-around awesome person who lives in Vancouver and has been through so much physically, medically, and emotionally on her infertility journey. And through it all, she has been so strong and so resilient. Her story kept blowing me away at every turn. I'd be like, and then that was good? And she's like, no. I'm like, what? What? So it was just, she's had an incredible ride, and the thing that I really love most about her is that she hasn't given up. She said this quote that I want to repeat, which was, she said, the theme in the last year and a half has been, there've been all these setbacks, but then these miracle moments where things aligned, where it was a clear sign for me, don't give up, keep going. And I love that she said that, and I love that she shared her story with us. So I hope you enjoy it. And I also want to thank our mutual friend, Amanda, who introduced us. So Mandy, I love you. You're wicked smart. And without further ado, this is Leah's infertility story. <laughs> Hi, Leah. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for inviting me and having me. Yes. So we'll just kind of start back in the beginning. Growing up, did you always want to have kids and be a mom?
1: Yeah, I think I did naturally. I mean, when I had a vision for my life, it yeah included a family and, and kids. I don't know that I ever was like, I definitely want a certain number, but I knew that I, I wanted to be a mother at some point. And growing up, I also knew that I had other priorities, too, of a career and travel. So I I knew instinctively that being a mother would happen later in my life, but it was something I always wanted to have as an experience.
0: Mm-hmm. And where did you grow up? I grew
1: up in uh, Vancouver, Canada. And then I also spent probably about seven years living in the U.S. as part of my job. And then I spent four years living in Germany. So spent a years living in different places, but I'm from Vancouver, Canada.
0: Okay. Excellent. So tell me what happened when, when was the time that you decided, okay, I'm going to start to try to have a family. Were you in a relationship? Tell me, we don't know each other, so I don't know much about your background. So fill in the blanks, please.
1: Yeah. It's kind of crazy. My husband and I, we've known each other since the eighth grade, we went to the same high school. So did Um, my
0: husband and I.
1: Oh Yeah. Uh, I would have never thought that we were going to get married, but yeah. So we've always been friends. Um, Did you
0: guys date in eighth grade or you were just friends? No, no, we
1: were just... Um, I mean, sometimes we were friends, we knew of each other in high school. Um, And then we actually probably became more friends in university. So he dated um, a roommate of mine in college, like I had set them up. So it was kind of funny, but we've always just stayed in contact. And then when I was living in Germany, actually, we, he randomly emailed me, um, and we ended up connecting. We hadn't seen each other for quite a few years. And I just remember that time, like, seeing each other and connecting. There was definitely an entirely different types of feelings there that um, neither of us had ever felt. And so we started dating when I was around... I think 26, 25. And then I moved to the US and he was living in Costa Rica.
0: Costa Rica. Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. So I was going. we were going between Costa Rica and at the time I was living in New York. So we were going back and forth. Wow. So okay. yeah, it was getting a little, I think, crazy. And it, there was an expiry date of how much longer we could do that. It was really fun at first, of course. Sure. And I felt like we were living the best life of Costa Rica and New York City. But um, yeah, so in 2013, we both decided, okay, let's move home, which was Vancouver. We got engaged, and then we got married in 2014. And as soon as we got married, I was 30, I was turning 35. He was as well, so we're the same year. Um, So we knew like, okay, it's time to start trying to have kids. So that's when we um,
0: knew that was the time. Okay, so you guys kind of started to try right away after you got married?
1: Yes, we started to try right away. I think, I don't know, there was something always inside of me that, I don't know if it was, I guess it was instinct. I just thought, I just didn't believe that we were going to have an easy path from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I don't know where that came from. It was just this I don't know, this gut feeling. So I actually, right after we got married, interestingly enough, I went to the doctor and to be honest, I lied. And I said that my husband and I had been trying for a year Okay. uh, because I knew that we had to say we had been trying, trying for a certain amount of time for them to like take me seriously and to start going through all these tests and all the exams especially like in Canada it's such a different healthcare system. Okay. So I said that we had been trying for a year, we were having we weren't having any success and I wanted to see a fertility specialist. Wow. So yeah, and sure enough, we found out pretty quickly that both of my fallopian tubes were blocked.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So just backing up a little bit, you said you didn't really know why you felt you, like you might have a long path. Was there anything with your mom or anybody else in your family? Like, did anybody else have struggles with fertility or infertility? No, okay. like
1: nothing. I don't know. I think it was just something I I knew. I also I think I also knew like, okay, I'm 35. You know, I, I knew I was pushing the age limit and, and had prioritized my career. So there was no reason for me to think that. It just was like an instinct.
0: Wow, that's such a cool testament to listening to your gut instinct and listening to your body. You know, that's yeah, like- it was.
1: It was. Uh, it was interesting for sure. And through that, I got to. I'm. I met an amazing fertility doctor here in Vancouver, Doctor. Usp. And yeah, so we actually, I did go through a surgery, and they were able to unblock my tubes. And that's when I actually got pregnant literally like the month after with um, my son now, Jacob. Wow! So yeah, it was a miracle. And I mean, what I've recently experienced now (laughs) around two with infertility, it's nothing in comparison, but I remember at the time it was so stressful. And just even hearing like your fallopian tubes are blocked and it was just, yeah, it was an interesting experience. And I'm very grateful that I was one of the cases that it was successful that they were able to unblock them. And I was able to get pregnant naturally after. At first they thought it was just one. And actually what I was told is a lot of women might just have one blocked and they never know it because they can get pregnant because from the other side, the egg will drop from the other side. And it's actually quite common, but I wasn't getting pregnant. And then actually after they looked into it more, they actually uncovered that both of them were blocked. So there was no way I was going to get pregnant. The procedure is not very, yeah, it's not, it's, it's not that bad. It basically went in, in that the day and left the same day I was sedated and they just go through your cervix. Obviously it's very, like a specialist has to do it and they go into your tubes and remove if it's scar tissue or whatever kind of blockage. And it's a very unknown reason. There's multiple reasons why that could happen. They say sometimes previous miscarriages, which I hadn't had can cause it. There's a lot of like, it can be age. I mean, there was just like a list of things and they didn't really know why that had happened to me. But, and also I have heard that women have gone through the procedure and it's not always successful. So usually if it's not successful, then the next step would be IVF. But in my case, it was
0: successful. Okay. So then you said that you were able to get pregnant right away. And how old is your son now?
1: He's uh, just over three. He turned three in January. His name okay. is Jacob. Yeah, it was a pretty easy pregnancy. Labor was a little bit different and ended up having an emergency C-section. But okay. all, all around, it was, it was a good experience.
0: Okay. I have a three-year-old boy as well. So I know, I know what camp you're in right now. And I know what you mean there. It's wild. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So then moving on with your story, what happened after that? How long before you guys started to try again?
1: Yeah, I think um, Jacob turned or he was about to turn to and my husband and I decided, okay, we wanted, we were ready to have another, another child, and so we. And of course, I, I was a little bit worried because I, I had also heard from my fertility doctor that your tubes can always block again. Mm-hmm. So just because they're unblocked doesn't mean they'll stay that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I luckily went straight back to my fertility doctor and said, okay, we're we're wanting to try again. Can we? do an exam just to make sure that my tubes have stayed open and they're not blocked. And so they were able to do that and everything looked really great. And we got pregnant immediately on our our first try yeah. of um, trying number two. So that was August 20, oh my gosh, 2017. Uh-huh. I got pregnant and then I had a miscarriage in October.
0: Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah,
1: I mean... Honestly, it's interesting. I feel like that was the the beginning of this wild journey of just mm-hmm. being educated and taught so many life lessons. Um, I had never had a miscarriage before. As of today, it's actually the only miscarriage I've had. My infertility has been around other things, but not mm-hmm. the mis not having repeated miscarriages. Mm-hmm. And I just knew. I knew so little about what it meant to miscarry. I had this idea or what I heard was that I would know if I was having a miscarriage. I would have cramping or I would bleed or so I just felt I just thought everything was going as planned with that pregnancy and learned quickly that that wasn't
0: necessarily the case. Because what happened? You went for in for a checkup and they couldn't find a heartbeat or how did you yes, figure it out?
1: Exactly that. Yeah. So
0: oh, God, I'm um, so sorry. That is the worst. I've I've talked to so many women now and that I think that is universally regarded as just one of the most gut-wrenching moments in a pregnancy when there's no heartbeat. So I'm so sorry that you went through that.
1: Yeah. And I, I think um I was just so unprepared <laughs> like, and I don't, I don't know how I would have prepared for it, but I just was so naive to it. Like my husband was like, do you want me to come for this ultrasound? And I'm just like, no, it's fine. I'll go. Don't worry. Like it's just to hear the heartbeat, like now looking back, I'm like, why didn't I have him come with me? I just thought it was so routine right. and I didn't even think that there would be anything wrong because I felt like I would have had symptoms if something was wrong.
0: Just two quick questions. Had you heard the heartbeat before or was that the no. first time? Okay. And how far along were you?
1: I was nine weeks. Okay. Almost okay. 10. Yeah. Yeah. And I I remember going in and the technician even asking me like, have you had any bleeding or cramping? I'm like, no, no. Like just feeling so confident. Mm. And then I knew right away there was some, as soon as like, I could just tell her face, her expression. Yeah. Yep. And I was like, this is very different than the like first ultrasound with my Pregnancy, like I just remember them right away, like smiling and showing me the screen. Like, she wasn't showing me anything. And she was like, I just need to go talk to the doctor and I'll come back. And I just remember laying there and being like, Oh my god, something is not right. And I'm here by myself. I didn't have my husband come. So, anyways, I just asked, She came back, I said, Is everything okay? And she said, your doctor will call you. And I was like, it was just the worst experience. I,
0: I mean, just your doctor will call you. Like you had to leave. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like I had to right leave. Then? No, no. Oh my God. Leah.
0: I know terrible. it
1: was this like the worst. I like to this day, I won't go back to that place, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but it was the worst. It was just the worst experience. And I went home and I just looked at my husband and I just started bawling. And I was like, something's wrong. And he was like, of course, I tend to be a worrier and he tends to be the like optimistic and like optimist and everything. So he was like, I'm sure you're just worried about, something, like it's it's gonna be fine. And I was like, no, definitely it's not fine. And so, yeah, the next morning I got a call from my doctor and my midwife letting me know that, there was no heartbeat and that something had gone wrong.
0: Wait, uh, up. Why, why did you have to wait so long? That's torture. Oh, it was torture. Yeah, I had it in the
1: evening and they called me in the morning.
0: No, that's not right. I had to
1: like go through that night.
0: Oh my gosh, that's terrible. that's terrible. Do you know why they didn't just tell you right then and there? I mean, maybe the doctor wasn't there or something and they wanted yeah, to-
1: Yeah, it wasn't my doctor that was there. So they- wanted to connect with my doctor. So, and then I also had a midwife. So it was just like a, a logistical complication that ended up being a really terrible experience.
0: Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah.
1: And it definitely has impacted how I approach every ultrasound. Now my husband sure. comes to every single one with me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I found out the next morning that something had gone wrong at about seven and a half weeks. Okay. Um, and yeah, that was the big like aha moment or learning of like, oh okay, a miscarriage can look like this too. It doesn't just look like cramping or bleeding. Um, right, right. I, you know, women, and even when I started to talk to some of my close friends, sharing what had happened, I was just so shocked. Of like, oh yeah, that happened. That happened to me too. And I was like what do you mean that happened to you? Like, how did you not tell me that happened? Like, when did that happen to you? I was just so shocked that I had some close friends that, you know, ended up telling me that they experienced the same thing Mm -hmm. yet I had never heard of that or never they had never shared that Mm -hmm. with me.
0: Why do you think women have such a hard time like bringing it up in the open?
1: Yeah, I don't, I mean, I think I've even asking myself these questions of like when I have found myself more open about my story or when I haven't. And I think for me personally, there has been moments of feeling like I failed or my body didn't do what it's meant to do. Or I'm, yeah, like there's a malfunction in my body. Like something's Um, wrong with you. Something's wrong with me. And then I think as women too, um, or it might be me like I also have this thing of like I don't want people to pity me I don't want people to feel sorry for me yeah and I think that has also been a little bit of a struggle for me in in sharing my story or getting to this place of like like which I am and I'm I'm so happy to be here but I think there's been moments where I didn't want people to look at me differently or or feel bad for me mm-hmm. um so you know, I think it's a combination of so many different feelings and emotions that as women, we don't really open up to each
0: other about it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's almost easier just to not even bring it up. Tell me what happened after that.
1: Yeah. So after that, I was told, you know, here are your options. You can wait a few days to see if you'll miscarry naturally and you'll start to cramp and bleed. And that's, I guess, ideal case. Or you can, we can give you medication to actually make that happen faster. And or you can go through a DNC procedure where we'll go in and remove the fetus. Mm-hmm. So again, I was just like, oh my gosh, so much, like so much information. Um, and I did. That's. I think I spent the weekend connecting with really close friends and just anyone that i even knew had had a miscarriage or any infertility because like i just found it so hard to find information or a support network mm-hmm. so i started to ask some close friends like what did you do what was how like what decision did you go with and so i did wait a few days and nothing had happened i was starting to feel like i couldn't even like process or move on knowing i was still carrying this like pregnancy but mm-hmm. wasn't you know, alive and ultimately, and I also had this like, okay, I have to travel in five days for work. Like what, like, what should I do here? And, um, I ultimately decided to have a a DNC Mm -hmm. and went in for that procedure and everything went really, really smooth. Um, it's a, like, it's not, um, a complicated procedure. And then I went in the morning and left a few hours later, I was sedated. I took a couple of days off of work, mm-hmm. but overall felt fine and didn't really have any complications immediately from, from that procedure.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And I felt like I was like, okay, able to move on. And this is kind. Of, this is where everything started to unravel for me. Um, in that, I believe I remember the handout they gave me. It said like you should menstruate within three to six weeks of having a DNC. And so, six weeks passed by, and I still hadn't gotten a period and I thought, huh, this is like kind of weird. Mm-hmm. I wonder I wonder why. But again, maybe like three to six weeks is a range. I'll wait another week or so. Mm-hmm. Um, still nothing. And so I went to my general practitioner and basically told him, like, you know, I had a miscarriage, I had a DNC seven weeks ago. I still haven't I still haven't had a period and I just knew, like, I knew something wasn't right. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me and said, you know, everyone's different. It's probably hormonal. Like, go take a cup. Like, just don't worry about it. I remember him just being like, just relax about it. It's not a big deal. Take a couple weeks. And then if you still don't have anything, come back to me. Mm. So (laughs) that definitely doesn't align with my personality of just taking (laughs) It's like easy and not worrying about it. I was like, right. clearly you don't know me, and you're probably not going to be my doctor after this. Yeah, bye. Um, yeah, goodbye. <laughs> but that What's wasn't that the thing. Bad,
0: like but. when someone tells you to relax, and it's the opposite of what you need to hear, and the opposite of what you're going to do. Like, how can I fucking relax right now? This is you knew yeah. again that something was wrong or something was off, right? It was that that intuition that like you'd had before.
1: I knew, like I yeah, I definitely knew something was wrong. So I went home and I mean, every doctor will probably tell you not to do this, but I did. I Googled Mm -hmm. everything and anything. And I quickly came up on a couple people talking online about Asherman syndrome. And I just, like, I remember where I was sitting in my living room, reading about it, the symptoms, what it was. And like my whole heart, like my body, everything just like stopped. And I just knew, I was like, oh my God, I have Asherman syndrome. Wow. Had you ever heard of it before? No. Okay. Never
0: in my life. Besides not getting your period after the DNC, what were the other, were there any other symptoms that you aligned with?
1: No, I mean, there was the lineup of like, yeah. Getting a DNC, not getting your period, um, but still start like starting to get symptoms. Like I had some symptoms of having a period, but I wasn't actually like bleeding. Okay. Um, And then some like there's different spectrums of Asherman. Some women do menstruate, but like they aren't able to get pregnant. But I just knew like with the three couple things lining up, there was something inside me where I was like, I have. and when you look it up, it's like, the first thing it says is like, it's very uncommon. It's extremely rare, but there was just something inside me that I I knew that that's what I had.
0: Wow. So then did you go back to find a different doctor or did you go to? Your
1: <sighs> well, I went back to him and I just said like, this is what I have. I, and he, he thought I was crazy. I mean, and you know, I'm not I'm not blaming him because yeah, like Asherman's is extremely rare. So, you know, he's looking, he's doing his job. He's taking the data and he's like, it's, there's a very small chance she has it, Mm -hmm. but he also wasn't listening to me. So I just demanded in that moment, I said, I need you to refer me to a specialist. I want to see my fertility specialist immediately. Like I'm
0: not leaving here without these referrals. Good for you to self-advocate. You know, that's what, that's what we have to do now. Uh, yeah, that's what I
1: feel like has been definitely a big part of my journey over the last Mm -hmm. year and a half has been just being an advocate for myself and knowing my body and what has been the right thing. So from there, that is when I started to have pretty serious appointments and meetings again, um, My fertility doctor, Dr. Usby is amazing. And I'm just so glad that I have had him in my life. He's the one also that took care of me when I had my tubes blocked. So immediately when I went to see him and I told him my story, again, because Asherman's is so rare, they definitely, the doctors needed to go through a process of elimination. Mm -hmm. So I went through probably a couple months of them looking at my hormone levels, um, which were completely off. Then they found a cyst on my ovary which then they were concerned about maybe that was causing me not to menstruate so i was it was a couple months of every week a different test exam being on different hormones and then finally they gave me a hormone that would i would take for 10 days and it would basically put me into having my period at the end of it okay and i knew when they gave me this that it was like if I didn't get my period at the end of this, this was going to be the like sign that I had Asherman's. Okay. So I took it for 10 days. And after 10 days, I got all the symptoms of a period. So cramping, I was sweating in my sleep, um, but I never actually menstruated. There was no blood.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: So yeah, I, I remember just like being in my, my bedroom bawling. It was like the moment where everything I had thought had become a reality. And I called my doctor and he um, asked me to come in and they immediately did a hysteroscopy where they go through your cervix to get into your uterus. And in that moment, they confirmed I had Asherman's. They couldn't even fully get through my cervix. Mm -hmm. So they couldn't even get into my uterus.
0: Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So what, I know we kind of touched on this a little bit, but what exactly, what is Asherman's? Like, what does it do to your body? What does it mean that's happening inside your body?
1: Yeah. It's a buildup of scar tissue. And so, and that can happen in any, any women's like uterus. It can, it can happen in the, the top of it, the bottom of it, throughout the entire uterus, it can. it's usually for, from some kind of trauma, um, which could be like a DNC, or it could be because of, um, I know some women end up with it after uh, an emergency C-section, okay. or there is some type of infection Again, it's very rare and uncommon. Like some doctors, when you say Asherman, like they don't even know what you're talking about. But yeah, it's basically scar tissue that's built up in your uterus. So uh-huh. you, in my case, it was so, the words they used was cement-like Oh God. Um, that they couldn't um, even get into my uterus. Some women have it at the top of their uterus so they can like they can actually get pregnant the sperm can get into their uterus and they actually menstruate, but they can't retain a pregnancy because as the pregnancy continues the scar tissue gets in the way. okay whereas my case, it was so thick and it was actually like at the very bottom, starting like at my cervix that not even like, a drop. Like that's how thick it was throughout of blood would come through when I was actually menstruating. And of course I can't, could not even get pregnant. There's no way a sperm sperm is going to get through there.
0: Mm-hmm. So was it causing you other health issues or symptoms? Like were you in pain at this point or so was it like your um, body had been trying to have its period and there was a buildup of blood? Exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of risk because then your body body is still menstruating and then it has to exit the blood somehow. So then it can start, it starts to go through your fallopian tubes and your other organs. Oh my god! It's not, yeah, it, it's not safe to have this condition for a long period of time. And even if I didn't want to have more children, it still needed to be treated because right. I couldn't keep going menstruating monthly, but actually the blood having to, exit other ways throughout my body.
0: Right. Okay. So you mentioned in the, um, your email to me that your case was a rare 1%, like, and so that's what was your diagnosis.
1: Yeah. So the, 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 with my issue, the reason it was so rare is because it was at the very bottom or as soon as you tried to enter Mm -hmm. the cervix. So they couldn't even get, Like a lot of women that have it, it's more in the middle or the top, so they can actually even get a camera in there to even look around to see where it is. They couldn't even get in at all. And some women, and majority of women do still menstruate a little bit because it's not, I guess, cement-like or throughout the uterus. So mine was just very rare. And then the added element, which... I mean, now I look back, I believe where the complication came from in my DNC is that a lot of women do have a tilted uterus, Mm -hmm. but what we uncovered through this procedure and as I went through this journey of MRIs and all these things is that my uterus is tilted so severely, it's almost at a 90 degree angle. Oh, wow. So not only did I have this scar tissue that had built up, it was in an extremely challenging angle position for any
0: doctor to like see or even able to remove. Okay. So what did they do? You said you quickly had a team of specialists and surgeons like working on your case. So tell me about all of that. And also, what were you freaking out? I mean, I would have, it must have been so scary. Oh,
1: I was... I was freaking out. I, I, I feel like I was having like out of body experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, i just, I had to like remind myself like this, this is like actually happening to me. I remember even sharing, you know, with some close friends, what was happening. And I just remember being like, Oh my God, like the story I'm telling right now is my story. Like I'm not, this isn't some, a story I heard through a friend, through a friend. Right. Um, And there were so many different twists and turns throughout it. But once they had diagnosed it and said, yes, you have Asherman's, I remember it was, it was like a, it was a Friday and I went home. And again, I became, I get crazy about things and became this like research uh, mad woman. And I literally researched everything there was possible on Asherman's and like literally it got to the point where there was nothing that I hadn't read online or an article about it. And I had found this common theme that there was a doctor by the name of Dr. Charles March in Pasadena, California, who was recognized as the best doctor in North America, if not the world, for treating and understanding what Asherman syndrome was. And I thought to myself, like, I'm already in a situation where, like, this case is rare and I want to have more children. Everything I read was, you know, there was a good chance that we were not going to be able to, like that Mm -hmm. IVF wasn't even going to be a possibility for us. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to give us the best shot possible. So over that weekend, I emailed Dr. Charles March. I found some way to email him and I called his clinic. I left probably a 20 minute long message. Good for um, you. Like pleading my case and saying, "I'm Canadian. I don't have US insurance. I'll come and give you money. Like, please will you just talk to me and see me?" Um he probably thought I was crazy, but um and on the Monday morning, my uh fertility doctor called me and to talk about the results and what we were going to do. And it was so funny. He said, "You know, you can stay here in Canada and we'll find someone to like, look at this and treat it. And I have a really good friend in California (gasps) and I interrupt, I interrupted and I said, Dr. Dr. Charles March. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, yes. And I was like, I like started crying. Good. Yes. I was like, okay. Like, and this, this is the theme I feel like through the last year and a half is there's just been these setbacks, but then these like, miracle moments where things aligned, where it was a clear sign for me of like, you don't give up, keep going. Yes. And so, yeah, he, it was a good friend of his and he said, I'll get on the phone with him. And long story short, after conference calls, my husband and I were on a flight to California
0: Wow. Um, Was he like, oh yeah, I
1: heard that girl's message over the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, oh, I already know. I think he called him and was like, oh, I already know who you're talking about. (laughs) She's already (laughs) called me and emailed me. She won't leave me alone. You know Um, what though?
0: It's so good that you did that. And it's, I mean, I think if anything, if nothing else, it's just like a great lesson for people listening. Like you really do have to advocate for yourself and do the research and, you know, do the work because, it's, there's so many different roads that these things can go down and you just, you, you sometimes know what's best for you and what you need. So I'm so glad you connected with him. That's insane.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I agree. You really have to take a lot of things into your own hands and, yeah. and be that advocate and done. Um, so yeah, we, and you know, we were on a flight, my husband and I, we felt, like this, you know, he's the best. We need to see him. And we met with him the day before the surgery. He did a couple exams and ultrasound. He felt really positive and optimistic. And so um, we went in, I went into the surgery and I just went in like, this is the best doctor in the world. And
0: like, actually doing it himself. Yeah, he's doing so, it himself. Wait, what happened when you actually met him? Where did I feel? Like I'm picturing you oh my like god, I like his arms. arms. <laughs> yeah, like I loved him. He
1: was like I don't know, my like father, grandfather. Yeah, like like I was just like, oh my god. Yeah, and he's such a lovely man and so great. He sat down with us and my husband and him talked about golf and fishing and like I was just like, this is yes, this is part of the journey. He's like our guy. This oh, is right. like it felt so right. Yeah. So we went, yeah, the next morning showed up, I was put under and I guess my husband, obviously I feel so lucky to have him and man, the amount of waiting rooms he has been in, in the last
0: two years, I just sure. can't Yeah, I believe how much stress he's I had. Want to touch on that. Like how, how is this affecting your relationship with him all throughout? Cause you guys had so many ups and downs and twists and turns.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this was either gonna like make us or or break us. Mm -hmm. And there were moments it probably it broke us. I mean, I think um yeah, I get emotional about it. No, it's I get it. But yeah, I feel like we have seen each other like at our best and um, he's probably seen me more at my worst, like darkest moments, like hands and knees crying asking him to take Jacob out of the house because I just needed a moment and I didn't want my son to see me like that so yeah I'm so grateful for him but it definitely in the end it brought us so much closer we had to have such real conversations about life and our goals and my health and you know as we went through more surgeries and procedures it was like What's at stake here? And um yeah. Because at one point
0: hasn't been easy. I might be projecting a little bit and correct me if I'm wrong, but at one point it was probably like we just want to make sure that you're healthy. It's not even Mm -hmm. about having another kid, right? It's like this is a health risk for you. So you exactly figure it out. So that's adding another whole layer of scariness and complications to this whole thing. Yeah. I mean now uh, you made me cry. Yeah, so I, I just mean, picture you like oh, on really your hands yeah. and knees. I've been in that position where you're just like, "Oh God, what's next?" You know, and trying to keep because I had a daughter too when I was going through my infertility, and just asking my husband, you know, I I just need her. I don't want her to see me like this. So mm-hmm. I really can connect with what you just said.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, <laughs> regroup. Definitely some some. Some hard moments and then some really joyful, joyful moments. But mm-hmm. yeah.
0: The surgery went. Yeah, well. so
1: no. So that no. was one of the hardest no. moments that neither of us expected. So I, my husband obviously knew something wasn't going right because we were told it would be about a 30 minute surgery. And I think he said, he, you know, once 45 minutes passed an hour and he was waiting in the waiting room, he was like, something's wrong, like something's not going right. Mm. And, um, yeah, so doctor, this is obviously all what I hear because I was under, but, um, Dr. March came out to the waiting room and my husband just said, he remar- he was just shaking his head and, uh, he said, I'm so sorry, but it was unsuccessful. Oh, and I think Greg was just like, what? Like, what do you mean? It was unsuccessful. Yeah. And uh, Dr. March is like, I've probably performed close to three thousand surgeries, and there's only six that I have not been able to do successfully. And your wife is the seventh. Oh. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I I woke up and I, Dr. March was there, and he basically shared the same thing. I was so drugged up, and I just and being like, what? Like you're the best. Like you're Dr. Um, March. Yeah. Like, how is this possible? And then I remember him saying like, it's okay. I'm going to find a way. He's yeah. like, I'm going to find a way. This is not the end of the road. Okay. It's just that this isn't the way we're going to achieve it. Yeah. And I like fell back asleep. Anyways, two, a few hours later we left. I was staying with friends in California. It was devastating. We went home and I you know, I was like, Oh my God, I'm still broken. Like I felt like I, I just went through this whole thing and nothing has been fixed or corrected. So the next morning consisted again, conference calls with Dr. March and then my fertility doctor here. And they're just like, so amazing. And you know, he immediately was like, here's what we're going to, basically what he said was what, what the problem was, again, is where the scar tissue was, how thick it was, and the angle of my uterus was just like all these things were stacking up against mm-hmm. it being like unsuccessful and it being such a rare case. So he had shared that the next um, option was like a full abdominal surgery. Mm-hmm. And so um, my husband and I flew back to Canada and we spent the next two weeks with conference calls between our doctor here and Dr. March in LA. And long story short, Dr. March had offered to do the surgery for free.
0: Whoa.
1: Yeah. (laughs) My husband and I, I never forget that conference call um, because I remember saying to him, like, I'm not insured in the US. Like, how am I going to afford abdominal, like basically they'd have to open me up and open up my uterus abdominally to then remove the scar tissue. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, I, "Like this is going to be crazy. How are we going to afford this? We have to pay out of pocket. Mm-hmm. And he basically said like, look, I, I just want you to like have the child that you're meant to have and I'm I feel responsible that like I haven't been able to solve this and I'm willing to do this surgery for you for free that's incredible wow yeah it was like again it was like another sign of like keep going um because trust me before this I like I was I was like oh my god we like is the the most like experienced doctor in the world just wasn't
0: like unsuccessful like is this a sign to stop and it makes you realize like there are good doctors in the world there are good people and that's just one of those moments where you're like okay he's in, as invested as you guys are at this point probably emotionally and you know wanting to make it successful so that's so great yeah
1: so it was um it was amazing and with that because It didn't mean that the hospital fees were still going to be there. And then we had to get into real conversation about like his services and the other surgeon were going to be complimentary. But once you get into full abdominal surgery, there's a lot of complications that could happen. Mm. And so now I would be in another country, uninsured having an abdominal surgery with a doctor that has done this a handful of times mm-hmm. and very experienced. But again, you know, it there was a lot of risk around it. And so he worked with my fertility doctor here in Vancouver to see if there was anyone that they felt comfortable that could actually take on this surgery and had enough experience and knowledge in this area where I could have it done in Vancouver and really remove a lot of that risk. However, however, Dr. March would be very close and have conference calls and consult through the whole process. Oh, I see. Um, Okay. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we ended up meeting, we ended up getting connected and uh, kind of my case got accepted by the chief of surgery at women's hospital here in Vancouver, which again was like, just a remarkable thing in itself. I thought like, you know, to know that the chief of surgery was interested in, in my case, but also I was going to have that expertise. Mm -hmm. Um, And after meeting with him you know he said of course you can go see dr march in la and there's all these risks and i have not performed this exact surgery that dr march is recommending i'm obviously he's obviously experienced enough and actually in that moment what he proposed was doing something more experimental before and trying that and in the moment if it didn't work then opening me up and doing an abdominal surgery. So in that moment, meeting with him, my husband and I were obviously very intrigued, but again, having an out of body experience of like, yeah, oh my God, what is happening? I am now becoming like this case study. Right. Like Um, an
0: experiment. Yes.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, um, basically what they did, Wanted to do and they ended up doing was using um, the same technology that they use now instead of doing open heart surgery. So not having to actually open your heart up, but they use this camera mm-hmm. that can like go through bone essentially. So using the same technology going through my cervix and knowing that this can move um, this technology can even go through bone they felt very confident that it could navigate through this cement like scar tissue in my uterus and give them a picture to be able to remove the scar tissue that way without having to open me up abdominally
0: wow okay.
1: i know it's a very long story no it's so but cool. this is it's like so the journey i was on again these were the real conversations my husband and I were having at night when my son would go to bed of like do we go to LA and have Dr. March do it do we have the chief of surgery do it we had you know I was conducting conference calls between the chief of surgery Dr. March in California and my fertility doctor and I, like I literally felt like I had another I had a full-time it's job a full-time
0: career yeah, yeah. I had another job
1: I was going for MRIs because they knew my uterus was tilted, but they really wanted to understand like at what degree. Um so it was, you know, months and weeks of all of these conversations. And ultimately, yeah, my husband and I decided to work with the chief of surgery. And and I would say like also through all of this, because I felt like I had such little control like of what was going on with my like Kate, my life, I feel like. What I came to the realization is like, what could I control? And that was like my mental, mm-hmm. my spiritual, my physical well-being. So while all of this was happening, I was working out with a trainer. I was yeah. um, going to acupuncture. Mm-hmm. i was I have a life coach that jenna hills just was like amazing for me every month i would talk to her i was seeing as an energetic uh or energy healer mm-hmm. which i mean for some people it might have been a little out there but that included a lot of burning of sage and waving crystals i'm down with and, that yes oh yeah like
0: I'm i did it into that. All.
1: oh yeah and prayed to god my angels i you know i like everything I could do to make mm-hmm. myself mentally and healthy um, and physically healthy, mm-hmm. and in preparation for another surgery, mm-hmm. um, was really the most important for me. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I was kind of training, like when we were leading up to this second surgery um, with the chief of surgery and which I didn't know really how it was gonna go. They were gonna make a call in the moment, basically try this new technology. And in the moment, if it didn't work, they were gonna open me up. So I was gonna wake up kind of being like, how did it go? Which What happened? What happened? Like, do I have, like, um, did I have abdominal surgery? So I just felt like I was like training for the Olympics. Like I was yeah. like, okay, I'm training for this surgery. Like I got to be ready. And yeah, the night before I remember I, I made this like list of people in my life that have had like a positive influence or just like they have a me- really meaningful, um, they've had a me- really meaningful impact in my life. And some of them on the list didn't even know that I was going through this. Mm. And some of them did. And, um, and then my energy healer had given me this crystal, this angel. And um, I was like, I'm bringing this into I'm bringing this list of people so they can be there with me in that surgery room and this angel. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do it because they probably won't let me bring it in, but I'm going to do it. And so I, um, the nurse, as she was getting me ready to go in for surgery, I looked at her and I said, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but I need to bring this list of people oh. in the room with me and I need to bring this like, this angel. Yeah. And she looked at me and it was like, she, she didn't think I was crazy. And she just, she took out this roll of tape and I was like, what is she doing? And she put the angel in the palm of my hand with the yeah. list of people and she taped it around my hand. Oh, so was, I just it, got the full body chills. Oh yeah. And um, yeah, I had oh, that and I, that the next crazy. thing I remember is I woke up and I opened my hand and the angel was still there and the list Mm -hmm. of people. Mm -hmm. And the doctor came over to me and he said, it was successful. We didn't have to open you up and we removed the scar tissue. Oh my gosh. Yes. They had thought it would take, I remember, they thought it would take about 45 minutes to an hour. And I remember waking up and looking at the clock and it had been three hours Mm -hmm. since I fell asleep and went into the surgery room so I was relieved it went well and then right away I was like oh my god why did that take three hours and of course there were so there were complications during it it was a lot more challenging and it was a new way and at the end of the day it was successful but it was um it was a a big team effort. That's for sure. And so I felt like, you know, my husband and I had like conquered it. We were like on cloud nine. He, you know, I like when he came in and saw me, we both were crying and just like, we had just prayed so hard for this outcome of not only it being successful, but also not having to do abdominal surgery because that's a lot more serious. The recovery is, is huge. And so I left, you know, with a lot of medication and hormones to take to make sure my uterus would heal and was told, you know, you should start to menstruate again. And, you know, I had a follow up after um, I needed to go through one cycle. And so I menstruated, it was like, honestly, I felt like I was a Twelve-year-old girl again. Like I was yes. just so. Like keep in mind, I hadn't menstruated in like a year and a half.
0: Wow. Yeah. Like
1: longer, really, because I got pregnant. So it was like two years, mm-hmm. and I was so. I just remember being like, "Oh my god, I am. I'm me again. Like, yes. Yeah. I'm. I'm like my body is working. I am a female. Like I just felt like all these things. It was just. I was so happy, and um, so I had my follow-up like a month later, and they went to do a hysteroscopy again, so basically go in with a camera and make sure everything was clear, and in that follow-up, I received devastating news that the scar, a, a lot of the scar tissue was removed, however, not all of it. And there was still, they were still having issues getting into my uterus. Mm-hmm. And I just remember laying there being like, fuck, like, you've got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. Like, And so again, they were like, okay, well, we're going to have to look at possibly doing another surgery. And I, I feel like I blacked out. I don't even remember. It was just like, at that point, there was... I was like, I can't believe we're having to go through this again. And so I had another follow up, and I ended up going into a third procedure or surgery with the chief of surgery where I was sedated this time. He went in, he did confirm that a lot of it you know, was removed and it what that surgery was successful. However, there was, was still some remaining scar tissue. So he had removed it. And again, he had shared, you know, the complication of how your uterus is, is just making this so much harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I remember he showed me the screen and he's like, look, like it's all gone. He's like, I could drop five embryos in here if I wanted. And I <laughs> thought like, okay, that's a little far here. Like yeah. we're not going to do that. But Again, it was like, again, another sign of like, okay, you know, it took three surgeries, but here we are. And so after that, what we were told is like, absolutely, you can try naturally and like your uterus, unfortunately, it's never going to be the same. Like, yes, there's scar tissue removed. You Now you're menstruating, like sperm is able to get there and how easily there's always going to be these like... I don't know how they said it, like bumps and bruises and it's never going to be the same. So IVF is most probable as like a next step. Mm-hmm. And at this point, like I didn't, I, like IVF was good news to me. I mean, like up until now, I didn't even have IVF as an option. Like yeah. nothing could get into my uterus. So I was like, who cares? IVF? Like, let's do it. Like, like that's I don't child's care. play. That's, that's- yeah. I was like, that's, that's the best news I've heard. Yeah. And so our next follow-up was to talk about IVF and because of the complications I had had with my uterus and the scar tissue and the way it was tilted, they wanted to do what's called like a mock embryo transfer. Oh, wow. So basically, yeah, they wanted to like do the whole step but it not be an actual embryo just to like mock it so that they could make sure A, they can get in through the pathway that they did clear of scar tissue, but although it was still not perfect before we went through the whole process of IVF. So we went to see our fertility specialist, Dr. Usby, for that Mock embryo transfer. I remember being just like, so I was like excited to get going on IVF. It was just yeah. like, oh, finally we're here, you know, right? It's and like a step in the right direction. I felt like, you know, every week would be like I take two steps forward and three steps back, and it was like this roller coaster. And yeah. I f- I felt responsible. I was bringing these like f- you know close friends and family along with me on this roller coaster. And I mean, what was just so amazing is. The friends and and my sister that supported me through all of it, like not once did any of them ever say like, "Hey, like maybe you should consider a different path, mm-hmm. or maybe like this isn't meant to be like they just continued to be my champion, and they like held this like vision and outcome that I had that I was like relentless around mm-hmm. in achieving." And that's all they wanted for me, and i like I'm just so grateful for that, because it was it was like a roller coaster. I mean it was highs and like low lows. We went in for this mock embryo transfer, and it's funny it was right before it they it's it's standard procedure, obviously to do a pregnancy test and so you know, they were like, should we do a pregnancy test? And I was, we were kind of, even the nurse, I was like, ha like, okay, that would be funny. I mean, I did have the surgery, so I guess there was a very small chance, like I could be pregnant, but I, in my head, I've been infertile for like two years. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, let's do the pregnancy test. And we did it and it was negative. And so we were like, okay, let's, we, I went into the room to do the mock embryo transfer and Dr. Usby went to do it and, um, <laughs> He couldn't get into my uterus. And I like I just was laying there and I looked over to my husband. I was like, oh like is like is this honestly happening? Or am I like am I awake? Is this real life right now? Yeah. Like I've just had three surgeries and he can't get into my uterus, but I've just been told there is no scar tissue. Like what is going on and like and Dr. Usby is like one of the best like doctors there is he this has been he's the founder of all of fertility in Vancouver like he and and in the moment like I'm sure he meant to make me feel better he's like there's only been he's been doing this for 50 some years, like that's how old he is and experienced. And he's like, there's only been one other person where I haven't been able to get into their uterus. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't know if this is to make me feel better or worse. Yeah. You're like, that's not "Um, a statistic. I'm like, okay. And but yeah, th- that was it. It was just like, we can't get into your uterus. I don't know what's going on. We got to go back and meet with the chief of surgery. We're pretty sure it's not the scar tissue, but is it now the angle? Do we have to operate to change the angle of your uterus? Like, there were just things happening in that room that I was like, I, I can't. Like, I- it was my breaking point. Mm-hmm. Like, I actually, I was like, I got dressed. I don't even think I said one word mm-hmm. to my husband. And we walked through the lobby, and he looked at me and he's like, It's gonna be okay. And I honestly, I, like, I lost my shit. We had like a full throwdown in oh. the lobby, it was like our breaking point. And I just like cried, and I looked at him and I was like, I quit. Mm-hmm. I'm done. And he was like, You can't quit. And I'm like, I quit. Like I can't have one more exam. I can't have one more person stick something at me. I can't have one more surgery. Like this is this is it. Like we're not meant to have another child. Like we can't even do IVF. Like this is and like I'm sure everyone was staring at us, but I didn't even care. I was just like Mm -hmm. I'm done. And he was like, Well, this is what do we live for if we're not living for our children? And I I remember looking and being like, We're gonna have to find something else to live for. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Like I'm done. I can't keep doing this. Like we're, this is two years. So he, I went, I got in my car. I went to work. He left, went to, yeah, I went to work. I know I'm crazy. I went to work because I was just like, I cried to my boss. Thank God. My boss is like the most amazing person and has been so supportive through this entire journey. Mm -hmm. I couldn't have done it without her. And, and, um, yeah, I I felt like we were at the end of the road and we had another conference call again. And the chief of surgery was, he felt, he was like, I know it's because of the angle. There's the scar tissue is gone. Like, let me get in there. I will do the mock embryo transfer. I know like the ins and outs of her uterus now. And it's because of how angled it is. And I just thought like, this is so insane. Like I have the chief of surgery that's now going to have to do a mock embryo transfer because of my uterus. And it just was like beyond. and. I had a scheduled appointment with him Two weeks later. He was going on vacation to do this another try at the mock embryo transfer. I had like hit rock bottom and then I was expecting to menstruate as I was, you know, newly tracking what this was my menstrual cycle and I didn't get my period. Mm. And I like I lost it because my first thought was fuck all the scar tissue has grown back. Yeah, It's like, cause they've said that like the, old, the risk is scar tissue will can and always grow back. So I was sobbing to my husband being like, oh my God, I'm not getting my period. The scar tissue's back. We are literally back at square one. Mm-hmm. And he just looked at me and he was like, go take a pregnancy test. And I I was so pissed at him. I was like, that's so insensitive for you to say like, I'm not pregnant. Like there's no way I'm, I mean, there's a way, like, I guess a very small, but like, Mm. I'm not pregnant. This is crazy. I just took a pregnancy test before we tried to do the mock embryo transfer, like two days ago, I'm not pregnant. And he was like, you, you're pregnant. There's no way that scar tissue is back. And I was like, just because I was so annoyed with him. I went into the bathroom, I stormed in the bathroom, found an old pregnancy test, Mm -hmm. took it out. And I was like, fine, I'll I'll take one.
0: You like blow the dust off yeah.
1: the boxes, like, yeah. I'm like, is this thing even like, is it expired? Like, who knows? I haven't had to take a pregnancy test in two years. Right. Um, so I found one and I was like, I was just like, was so mad at him while I was peeing on this stick mm-hmm. um, and I put it down and all of a sudden it said pregnant.
0: Stop. This is like a movie. Come on now.
1: I know. This is my life. Like, I'm not kidding you. This is how it happened. And I was like, what? Like, I was so confused. Yeah. Like, I was like, and all of this stress, like, to be honest, like, I mean, we had like sex twice in the last, I don't even like, there's just been, it hasn't been very romantic lately. Like, let me tell you. And like, I'm just like, what is like, I was like, this is crazy. I'm like, this, it's gotta be expired. This isn't even right. So I was like, you need to go get me like six more pregnancy tests. Like this isn't right. Anyways, they were like all positive, And I called my doctor in the morning and I was like, you're not going to believe this and he was like throw it at me he's like your case like I'll just take like I'll take whatever your your case is so crazy I'm like I think I'm pregnant and he was like what he's like you I I'm like yeah I just took a pregnancy test and it says I'm pregnant and in my head I'm like oh my god like thank god he couldn't get into my uterus three days ago like all these things in my head. And I'm like, did we do any damage? Because he was like poking around there. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you need to come in right away. Like, I don't even think he believed me. He's like, let's, do, like, we need to do the blood work, all this. Anyways, we do it. He calls me right away and he's like, you're pregnant.
0: Oh my gosh. Like, oh
1: my God. Like, I, I, he, and he just like, he kind of laughed. Like, and like we both kind of laughed and cried. And he's like, He's like, well, what do I know? I've only been doing this for 55 years. (laughs) And I was just like, he's like, I can't even believe this right now. And I was like, well, I don't understand. Like I took the pregnancy test before we did the mock embryo transfer. He's like, it must've like not even implanted yet. Or like, it wasn't enough to show up. And like, it was God like intervening that I couldn't get into your uterus because we would have done damage.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: And I am, I am now 15 weeks pregnant. It's insane. The percentage of chances of me being able to get pregnant naturally was so, so slim. And then like IVF was going to be the thing that was our most hopeful thing. But then we didn't even know if IVF was going to be possible with my, the shape of my uterus to then find out that I was like, it was just it's been, I think I'm still in shock, honestly. (laughs) So (laughs) what is? how did they explain it? It was just like against the odds. It was just, yeah, it was like literally against the odds. Like every, like it's the true, you know, I used to like hate it when some people would like kind of hear or know that I was going through infertility, like going through issues in the last couple of years and they'd be like, you know, miracle babies happen all the time. And I, I would just be like, shut up. Like, you don't even know like right. like I'm dealing with a chief of surgery, a doctor in LA, a doctor in Vancouver. Like right. I'm not gonna have a miracle baby. Like yeah. And and yeah, I'm having a it's like I'm having a miracle baby, but in some way I also feel like it's not a miracle because there was so much work and study and yeah. plan and yeah. preparation and three surgeries. Like there was so much that led up to this. Right. So it's also like, sometimes I don't want to say like it's a miracle. Cause sometimes I feel like that's, it's just like chance and lucky. And I had th- like the most amazing team that was so committed to me getting here yeah. and a network support network that I don't want to want to, undermine
0: all of that and what's happened over the last two years. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I don't think that undermines it at all. I truly do think that there is some luck and magic that has to do with it sometimes too. And that seems like that, you know, that plays a role. It just does. There's Mm -hmm. no other way to explain it. Which Yeah.
1: I mean, I believe in magic. I am, I mean... Spiritually, over the last two years, I have grown so much. My husband, I carry that list of people and that little angel. Like, after that, like, it came in every single appointment. I mean, to the point where my husband knew, like, he'd check, like, do you have it with you? Yeah. Um, Because I didn't go into any appointment, any procedure or surgery without it.
0: So you're feeling good?
1: Yeah. I mean, I have felt really sick and awful, um, (laughs) to tell you the truth, but... Yeah. I, um, I mean, I am so, I'm still in shock and I'm so excited and I feel so grateful. And I'd also be lying to say, like, I also have a lot of fear. Sure. I feel like every, you know, it was like, I found out I was pregnant and then it was like, okay, well, we can't get too excited because now we got to make sure your hormones go up a certain amount every week. And then I was like, okay, once we see that, then I'll feel comfortable. And then, was like okay well once we do this ultrasound and hear the heartbeat I mean that whole heartbeat thing was a whole situation for me again right I was like so traumatized from the last time yeah so yeah I mean I'm I I am considered a a risky pregnancy for sure and that I did get pregnant quite close to like the last apparent, I guess, procedure surgery. So my uterus maybe wasn't or wouldn't have been fully healed. So I most of the time stay really positive and optimistic and I'm starting to but I have started to share and I told people at work and that I'm pregnant and it's becoming really real. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think after going through what I have gone through, there's definitely. Fear around it and with the ups and downs of everything. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I think that was my hesitation. I was like, you know, I want to share my story because any story that I could grab onto while I was going through this was so important to keep me motivated, inspired, and keep mm-hmm. me going. And I really knew that I wanted to do that for other people. And part of me is like, well, maybe I'll just do it after. I have the baby and I'm feeling confident and, and, you know, with a certain outcome. And so like, yes, I'm pregnant and it's a miracle. And I know not everyone gets here to this point, but I'm also, it's still uncomfortable and uneasy for me because I still haven't completed this, this chapter, you know? Yeah. Um, But I hope that, you know, if anything, I can just inspire people to keep going, um, in every setback. Like I know it takes so much, but to like get your group of people and be an advocate for yourself and formulate that team of doctors that is as committed as you are to a certain outcome and not, not to give up for a second.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. It's so inspiring to see that you just continue to fight and continue to advocate and continue to wish this, you know, dream this dream that you had. And I know it's, you know, it's still not, it's still kind of scary. You're not through yet. And I so appreciate you talking to me in the midst of it still and talking to all the listeners. Cause I really do think you're going to help so many people. Can we do like another mini-sode after you have the baby and you can give us how everything's going? Okay. That would be awesome. Yeah.
1: We're not finding out what it is, which is, not. no, it's crazy for me. Cause I like would love to know, but I, my yeah. husband really wants it to be a surprise. You're
0: such a strong person. I'm so glad I met you. I truly, I'm so thankful to our mutual friend who introduced us. Cause this has been an amazing story and it just gives me such hope. And like, it makes me so happy and proud to be a woman. Like women are so strong oh it's so, so strong. strong thank you so much for sharing all of this i truly appreciate it and i will talk to you soon
1: i will talk to you soon thank all you right, so thanks, much
0: Leah. all right bye bye thank you for listening today guys i really appreciate it i hope you enjoyed leah's story If you're into this, don't forget to please subscribe and rate and review and pass it around to your friends, and I will talk to you next time. Bye.